Welcome to St. Agnes Quick Talks. If you'd like to support this podcast series, click on the donation box located right on our SoundCloud channel. Today's speaker is Joseph Pierce, no stranger to St. Agnes, having spoken at our previous Lenten lecture series. A native of England, Joseph Pierce is the internationally acclaimed author of many books, which include bestsellers such as C.S. Lewis and the Catholic Church, Wisdom and Innocence, A Life of G.K. Chesterton, Old Thunder, A Life of Hilary Belloc, and the topic of today's Quick Talks, Solzhenitsyn, A Soul in Exile. To learn more about Joseph Pierce, visit his website, jpierce.co. I'm Joseph Pierce, author of the biography of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, entitled uh, Solzhenitsyn, A Soul in Exile, published by Ignatius Press. And um, I'm going to give just a brief talk here on um, Solzhenitsyn, the man, and my memories of him from my meeting with him in doing research for my book. So the first half of the talk will be, um, if you like, an objective look at the man himself and his legacy and importance, and the second half will be my own engagement with him and my memories of him. So for those that don't know who Alexander Solzhenitsyn is or was, uh, he was um, uh, the most famous Soviet dissident during the period of the era of the Soviet Union. Um, He played a very significant role in the downfall of communism, in the downfall of the Soviet Empire. Uh, There's actually an article in the latest issue of the St. Austin Review, the magazine that I edit, in which the historian Brad Berzat speaks of Solzhenitsyn as being one of the triumvirates of giants who brought down the Soviet Union. The other two being Ronald Reagan and uh, St. John Paul II. So uh, if we take that to be true, and I think it largely is, that such was Solzhenitsyn's influence in bringing down communism, that he is uh, should be seen side by side with St. John Paul II and Ronald Reagan in bringing down the what Reagan called the evil empire. So who exactly was Solzhenitsyn beyond that crucial historical note? Um, he was born in Russia in 1918, just a few months after the uh, revolution of the previous year um, while he was in utero while he was in his mother's womb the 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 what became known as the edict of the great terror was passed establishing concentration camps uh, in the Soviet Union uh, that be, that that was the birth of the gulag system the system of labor camps and prisons for political prisoners that were spread throughout the whole Soviet Union um, which was responsible for the for the incarceration of uh, probably tens or well, certainly tens of millions possibly hundreds of millions and certainly the uh, the murder of uh, or the or the killing of, of tens of millions of people uh, during the uh, 70 years of the Soviet Union 70 plus years and also while he was in his mother's womb his father died in a hunting accident so he was born um without a father so he you know he he had a 
a tough life. He was brainwashed by the Soviet um, education system, the state education system, and the official state religion, or lack thereof, of atheism. And he became an atheist and a, and a communist. And then he, he fought in World War II um, for the um, Soviet army uh, uh, against the, uh, the Nazis. And in a private uh, letter to a friend, he wrote some pretty mildly uh, critical words about the, the Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin and in consequence he was arrested and sentenced to seven years hard labor and he Solzhenitsyn thanked God for that arrest in my book there's a chapter called Arrested Development um, in which I, I, I speak um, uh, about Solzhenitsyn believing that the arrest was necessary for the development of his soul you know Solzhenitsyn would rather suffer seven years in prison uh, in order uh, as the price to pay for discovery the truth than to live a lie. This is the sort of the moral fiber of the man. So having spent uh, seven years in prison and when he was released he wasn't actually released and allowed to go home. He was then released into internal exile. So he was still not allowed to return home to his wife. They had no children at the time of the arrest and at this point he was diagnosed with cancer which was thought to be terminal and he considered this to be the other great blessing of his life because the uh, expectation of um, almost imminent death uh, made him start thinking about the four last things death, judgment, heaven and hell and the ultimate realities and he converted to Russian Orthodoxy a, a, con a convert to Orthodox Christianity which obviously was life changing following the death of Joseph Stalin um, there was a very brief period when uh, it was permissible to, to criticise Stalin and in that brief period Solzhenitsyn's novella his short novel one day in the life of Ivan Denisovich was published and this became a bestseller not just in the Soviet Union but in the West as an expose of the horrors of Stalinism and the horrors of the Soviet Union. Now very quickly of course the Communist Party realized that this criticism of Stalin was also by extension a criticism of the Communist Party and the communist system in the Soviet Union. So thereafter, uh, the the freedom disappeared, and all of Solzhenitsyn's books that he published afterwards, he had to write in secret, hide away the manuscripts in secret, have them circulating in secret in what was called Samizdat, just um, a copied manuscripts being passed hand to hand in the Soviet Union. But some of these found their way to the West, and they were published in the West. The most famous of which was the three-volume history of the horrors of Soviet communism and the Soviet prison system called the Gulag Archipelago uh, and um, this say, was hugely successful in the West and, and was circulating clandestinely in the Soviet Union. Solzhenitsyn was awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1970 but was unable to collect the award because he was worried that they might not let him back in, he'd be separated from his wife and children. There was an assassination attempt on his life by the KGB an attempt to poison him which failed and he was subsequently sent into exile first to Switzerland and then finally settling in the United States in Vermont where he spent many years before returning to Russia in 1994. So just very briefly when he first arrived back in Russia he was not particularly welcome. A Russia in the, it was in the midst of a hedonistic debauch, uh, sort of a, a wild party that followed the downfall of communism when the pressure cocker was, was let off. Everybody wanted to be a decadent westerner so Solzhenitsyn's uh, 
vision of a Christian Russia with self-limitation and, and not adopting the Western liberal decadent model, but a Christian traditional Western civilization model was not popular. But as the the that uh, hedonistic experiment unraveled with basically the corruption, the mafia, and former communist bosses controlling the economy, a disillusionment set in. Solzhenitsyn again was now seen at home in Russia as a prophet. So the president Vladimir Putin made a point of meeting Solzhenitsyn in person to get his approval to education reforms. And, and one thing that was actually very, uh, very significant, I think, is that Solzhenitsyn's book, The Ulag Archipelago, which was a three-volume book, um, Solzhenitsyn's widow, this was after Solzhenitsyn's death uh, in 2008, was given uh, uh, the job of um, bringing out a one-volume condensed version, and it was approved by Solzhenitsyn's widow. And that uh, one-volume edition of the Gulag uh, Archipelago is now compulsory reading in all Russian high schools. So certainly in that sense, Russia um, has accepted and embraced Solzhenitsyn's condemnation of the tyranny of the Soviet regime. Now, as for my own engagement with him, um, uh, I, wrote, I wrote to him in 1997, so three years after his return to Russia. At that point, I'd only had one book published, my biography of Chesterton. And I don't know how I found Solzhenitsyn's mailing address in Russia, but somehow or other I did. And I wrote him a letter basically saying that I didn't believe that any of the previous biographies of Solzhenitsyn had paid due attention to the centrality of his uh, Christian faith. And I would like to write a biography that, 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 that put that uh, discrepancy and sin of omission right. And I mentioned that I published my, I, I'd only had one, I'd had my a biography of Chesterton published. To my great surprise, Solzhenitsyn not only replied to me, but said, yes, please do make arrangements to come to Russia. And give him, he gave me two, the address of two of his sons to act as intermediaries. Now, what was really surprising about that, about the, apart from the fact I, I was unknown that I only had one book published, was the fact that Soviet, uh, that the Solzhenitsyn had essentially refused to be interviewed by Western journalists for many years because of the abysmal way that he was treated by the liberal media uh, in the West. So I was virtually the first person from the West he'd spoken to for a long while. So what a surprise! So I travelled to Russia. Um, and I went to his home, still wondering why he would give an interview to me uh, as opposed to anybody else. Well, obviously, he agrees that uh, the previous biographies did not pay due attention to his Christianity, but I still couldn't work out why he would allow me to, to, to write it and, be, and, and be, give me exclusive cover, uh, access to him to be interviewed. But then before he came down and emerged, we went to his house in the countryside just outside Moscow, his wife took me into another room and showed me the collected works uh, of uh, G.K. Chesterton published by Ignatius Press. And of course, then the, the, the penny dropped, so to speak. It became obvious to me that, uh, that Solzhenitsyn shared my great love for the great Catholic writer G.K. Chesterton. And this, if you like, was the key that got me access to him. So not much more to say except the wonderful time I had with him being interviewed. Uh, so interviewing him... Uh, we sat around the table, me, uh, Solzhenitsyn and Solzhenitsyn's son, Yermolai, who translated between us. I could tell they were looking at Solzhenitsyn's eyes, looking into his eyes, that he understood English. Um, and once or twice he corrected Yermolai when he didn't translate what he had meant properly into English. 
But um, the other very the, the two other things I, I I'd like to mention about about my meeting of, of him before we we conclude here. First of all, I looked into his eyes. He had these. Uh, you know, he was he was in his 80th year when I when I when I met him, 1998, and uh, I I looked into his eyes and he had these very sort of youthful looking, almost mischievous China blue eyes, almost like the eyes of a young man. But if you held your his gaze, uh, you could perceive as you as you went deeper, if you like, into those eyes the depths of suffering that he had experienced at the hands of communism. And it reminded me, in fact, being a lover of the Lord of the Rings, of uh, the description of Treebeard's eyes, the, the ent in the Lord of the Rings, with you know a, 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 an alertness on the surface, but wells of wisdom and experience uh, as you plumb deeper. And the other thing that, there really there lots of things stick in my mind, but I remember one thing that, uh, that Solzhenitsyn said, he said that people think, call me a Slavophile and say I'm, I'm, I'm opposed to the West. He said, I'm not. I consider Russia to be part of the West. He said, if the Iron Curtain had come down and the cream of Western civilization had come in over the top, he would have rejoiced. He said, but what actually happened was the Iron Curtain came up and all of the dregs of Western decadence came in. And that was the problem. So um, I consider it one of the great honours of my life that this great man who was so instrumental alongside St. John Paul II and Ronald Reagan in bringing down the evil empire of the Soviet Union. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of the words from the Mass, um, Domine non sum dignus, Lord, I am not worthy to have been given uh, an audience with this great hero, one of, one of the great heroes of the 20th century, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. So thanks so much for listening to me and for this personal reminiscence of Solzhenitsyn, the man, and my meeting with him. Goodbye and God bless.